Welcome to As You Were, a podcast about Alkaline Trio, where every week we talk about one Alkaline Trio song. And this week, it's For Your Lungs Only. Can I just say, David, yes. Anthony, Tim Crisp, that it is so nice to hear you do the intro to this podcast. It's been a while. In the words of Stained. But here we are. And in the words of our introduction, where every week we talk about an Alkaline Trio song, we didn't say that it's happening Mm -hmm. every week. True. But the weeks we do it... We gave ourselves an out, although I, I, I did not expect... Nor did you mm-hmm. to uh, uh, be in the situation that we are in. Yes, and specifically that you are in right now. Well, it's our what second break this year of notable length. Yeah, um, due wh- to medical reasons. Yeah, when was yours? That Mine was... was May, middle of May into yeah. maybe into a week of June, two weeks of June. Yeah, that tracks. Um. Uh, do we, do you want to recap the people on what happened to you back in May? Something was growing inside of me. I said, I said, Doc, I think I got a hernia. And they're like, oh, no, you got appendicitis. And I said, what about my hernia? And then they did the appendicitis, and they were like, you had a tumor. Mm-hmm. Uh, it wasn't cancerous, though. It was the size of a softball. We took it out. And I said, Oh, okay. I woke up 14 seconds ago. Thank you for telling me. Thank you for that information. Um, but you're better now. Better yes. yet. Better yet. Uh, you know, from all that being around you've been doing, really <laughs> helped you. Uh, I, on the other hand, have had the inverse where uh, I was just feeling kind of weird and didn't know what was going on. Um, and like went to my eye doctor cause I was having vision stuff and like balance stuff. And then went to the hospital and they released me and I was like, oh, okay, maybe this is just how I feel now. And then got a call and they were like, Hey, just FYI, uh, you've got tumors, two of them, uh, on your both left and right sides of your carotid artery, um, which I had heard of, but did not know what it was. Uh, I knew it was an artery. But I didn't know where or what that meant. I knew that the carotid artery was uh, was always at risk whenever someone was caught up in a sleeper hold. Uh-huh. Yep, exactly. Which would make sense because it's in your neck. So basically the long and short being that the way... My, my rudimentary understanding of the situation, not a doctor for one, uh, is that you know I breathe in through my nose. That mm-hmm. air goes to my lungs. He's no mouth breather oxygenates my blood Uh uh-huh that blood runs from there up my neck to my brain uh and so i have tumors on left and right side the left one's a little bigger uh you can feel it if you so choose uh for the time being um but i was getting bounced around not really getting answers um locally was going to what i thought was a very nice hospital that proved not to be so bad experience before before we get there because um, I, I know that you've been talking about this yes. a lot and we talked in pre-pro about the uh-huh. fact that you're talking about this a lot, a lot. Yes. But when you have 
tumors in your carotid mm. artery, that means you have a blockage. That means that you're not getting enough. Yeah, yeah. Basically, like the way I describe it uh, is there's a kink in the hose. So, you know, like when you're watering your plants or whatever, watering your front yard, if that's a thing you have, and there, the line gets a little, you know, crooked, and the water just kind of trickles out the end. So it's basically the same principle, but with blood to my brain, right? Yeah. So they've not found anything else. I'm not at risk for a stroke or a heart attack or any of those things, which is very good. But it's also meant I've had to like completely kind of change my lifestyle. You know, I biked every single day. I played softball. I played drums. I, you know, worked out every couple of days. I was pretty active and all those things made everything worse. So those just had to stop. I had to stop doing any of that. Um, which when you are a, you ride your bike everywhere for everything, you know, it, it makes just changes to your commute pretty different. Um, and so like, I'm not able to do as much because the more I do, the worse I feel. So it's a weird bell curve kind of situation. Similarly, like when I am trying to do more, even not necessarily physical, but if I'm juggling a lot of things mentally, um, say work stuff, I've been working from home the past couple months because it's made my life a little easier in a lot of respects. But, you know, if I'm responding to an email and having to look at a chat and I'm doing my job and like other people are talking to me, like I just get really jumbled. Um, my cognitive ability isn't as sharp as it uh, should be. Yeah. Um, so I've just had to really, 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 really slow down figure out what my equilibrium is what my kind of balance is for the time being so i've been i've been describing it as a 40 70 type thing you don't add them up i'm doing about 40 percent of what i normally do to feel about 70 percent of normal yeah and i for the most part have am having good days but uh you know last week i'd like a couple days where i felt really bad my like vision got a lot worse my my balance and the disequilibrium really kind of ramped up and it was just like a weird 24 48 hours where i was just kind of out of whack um even doing little stuff you know like uh just not really prepared for the mental toll or for how much it kind of takes out of me really having to organize this much type of this type of medical care takes up a lot of time especially because it's not immediately going to kill me. So it's not like they rushed me into surgery and took it out and then whatever. It's kind of the opposite. Which is where you were before I kind of detoured you a little bit is Mm -hmm. you're you're going to different places and they're basically saying, deal with it. Yeah, that's kind of what was happening in the early going for about the first month, which was really frustrating um and kind of through a weird confluence of events it turns out someone i knew had something similar not like a one-to-one but they were telling me that they had the exact same uh things happen at the hospital i was going to and recommended me to go to cleveland clinic which i didn't realize was such a good hospital uh apparently um Arab royalty has been flown there for treatment. I uh, was which is at, something when when you I think posted on your newsletter, my newsletter, um, talking about 
the Cleveland Clinic and referring to it as, I think, the Princeton of of medical care. Uh, I think that day or around that day, I was at the White Sox game Uh and they were playing the Indians and we had nothing but Indians fans around us. And so I found myself in discussions with all of these Uh Ohio people just being like, yeah, Cleveland Clinic's where it's at. And I'm like, yeah. I'm learning that. Uh, yeah, it's uh it's pretty wild. Going there was wild. Uh it's incredibly nice facility. Um everyone there was it, it's like the most streamlined that a hospital's ever been for me. Whereas like at the other hospital I was going to, I'm 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 not saying their name because I don't want to besmirch them. Um but like there was one doctor where I waited for three hours and he met with me for five minutes and basically was like, I'll see you next year. And was just like not answering questions and was just kind of like shrugging me off. And I was getting a lot of that like feeling of like, I just feel fucking crazy. Like, could they aren't taking this seriously. They're telling me that what's happening isn't real or shouldn't be happening this way, but that's what's happening. And then going to Cleveland and meeting with this guy who just right off the bat kind of laid everything out, said everything I wanted to hear before I even had to press him on anything. And then when Nina and I, my girlfriend and I were asking him questions, he would like answer in fuller detail. He wouldn't just be like, Oh, I already said that. Right. He like said more, which is great. And then immediately recommended me to meet with two other doctors slash surgeons who will like, ideally like the three of them will be kind of working, putting their heads together to figure out how to most cleanly do the surgery, get these things out um because obviously like we don't know at what rate they're growing or whatever but you know obviously they are taking up space and one of the concerns though it's not been proven is with tumors of this ilk though benign not cancerous it's it's incredibly rare that they are cancerous thankfully but they can be dumping toxins into your body sure which can be causing some of the symptoms yeah right but this is this is not super common uh, in the readings I've done, which I've tried not to do a lot of, because it's never any good. But even if it's it, it's it's still you're basically going on WebMD and and finding out. Oh, oh, in fact, you're already dead. Yeah, no, exactly. Like WebMD is not something to spend your time doing. But I guess there's a firm in New York of doctors, like f- four or five people who who seem to specialize in this as well. Where I was like, if I strike out at Cleveland Clinic, I guess I have to go out there. And they have some writing about it and talk about it. And, you know, basically they're saying that this occurs in one in 100,000 people. So if you extrapolate that out, that's 10 people in a million people. Right. So it's not unheard of. Like the person I know who had a similar thing, it was her and her sister. It was a genetic thing. There is one other person they know in the country who's had it happen. So that's three people in the entire population of the United States. That's rare. Yeah. Mine is at least something that has been seen before. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, So that's helpful. And, you know, getting paired up with people who seem to have an understanding of what has to happen is good because at the hospital I was going to locally, I was basically getting like a neurosurgeon kicking me to an ENT who kicked me to a vascular surgeon who kicked me back to a neurologist who sent me to an ortho neurologist like, each one being like, well, this isn't really my thing. That's his thing. So you should, go, you know, like that type of thing. 
Right. And whereas here they're like, okay, this is this does kind of touch a few different things because it's vascular and arterial, but it's also kind of connected to your brain. But it's also you know like it's also an ear, nose, and throat thing. Like, and instead of that, it's like, all right, this is the team who's going to be doing it. They're all going to be weighing in and figuring out what's what, which is a, a marked improvement, right? Absolutely. Um. So. The long and short of it is I still don't really have a timeline. I don't know when surgery is going to be or might be. I don't know how long, one, how invasive the surgery is, which from the sound of things isn't that crazy because literally you can touch one of them in my neck. Right. You know, it's it's kind of right there. But, you know, what does recovery time look like? Um, just There's just a lot of things still in the up in the air. You know, how long am I going to have to be in Cleveland? Because given that it's an arterial thing, they have to, like, do a few things in advance to kind of, like, not necessarily slow blood flow, but, like, make it an easier procedure. Um, Oh, absolutely. You know, so, like... You're right there. Yeah. So, there's a lot going on. And as a result, like, my life has has, has changed pretty dramatically in pretty short order. Um, Especially because at the hospital I was going to in Chicago, I was not getting any directives of like, do this, don't do this, whatever. I was just really flying blind. And for the reputation yeah. that that institution has, that big 10 uh-huh. school in Chicago has uh-huh. fucking Indiana university. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, Bobby Knight. <laughs> so, you know, thankfully like they still, there's nothing I can really take. It's not like they can give me medicine and then I'm just fine. It just kind of is what it is. You know, I'm just trying to stay hydrated and I can like walk around and stand and I've still been like going to shows and stuff. Cause it's a thing that gets me out of the house. If it feels normal, but I can't really do a ton beyond that. You know, I'm still trying to maintain some level of independence, but also take care of what needs to be taken care of. Yeah. Um, and if that's the thing that you care about and are interested in, want to read a fuller detail and continue to get updates, I'm doing a, an email newsletter. They're all the rage, says the New York Times <laughs> uh, over on Substack. It's just davidanthony.substack.com. If you follow me on Twitter, it should be pinned to the top of my thing if you can't remember that URL. Uh, so, yeah, if you want to follow along, that's where I'm going to be giving you the, the up-to-the-minute updates um for the sake of a transparency b not having to as tim alluded to just talk about it constantly all the time and like i'm happy to do that with people but you know there there's some big talking points that aren't that don't i can't just zoom through i've got to like if you've not already heard i've got a we got a smash back a month and then you know yada 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 um so that lightens the load on me a little bit, but it also is nice to just kind of like empty the the mental tank. The mental part of this is what I was most unprepared for uh, and have kind of been told like that is the thing that you're not, you, no one tells you about. Yeah, I can say I, and this is a pretty far off way to relate to what you're going through, but I have suffered from migraines Mm -hmm. since I was in my early 20s. So going on 10 years now, and I 
I don't get them as often now, but it is a really difficult headspace to be in mm-hmm. when just straight up your brain doesn't work the way that it's supposed to do. Yeah. It's so, I had such a difficult time with just like, oh, what is the, th- I can't, I can't think of a word because I got this weird thing going on and oh fuck that sucks oh my god like what's wrong with me it gets very very anxious very quickly yeah it's tough to turn off it's tough to like not try and force it and that only makes it worse yeah it's like hard when i'm naturally kind of i do a lot i'm a busy person and then having to do nothing sucks yeah but also knowing that every plan i make is kind of can be thrown out is like if I get a call from the hospital and they need me to come in, like whatever plans I've made are gone. Or if I'm not feeling great, like whatever plans I made are gone, you know, it just is. And that's the thing is like, I'm trying to proceed as normal, but everything is kind of conditional. And for me, the waiting is the hardest part. Like I'm a very much a guy who's like, Oh, this is what it is. Let's go. I can't do that. Yeah. Um, I'm only smiling because of uh, the phrase. Tom Petty. Yeah. Yes. Uh, I've been using that a lot and seeing who elects to actually make mention of it. Most people <laughs> don't. Uh, so it's good you did. Um, but you know what I mean? Like for me, it's like, okay, go to Cleveland, get an answer, get told to come back for these appointments. And they were great about scheduling me where it's like three in a row, bang, 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 like on the hour. Awesome. Like that's very convenient. They respect the fact that I'm not local and I'm driving five to six hours one way to do a thing. So that's awesome. They've been super helpful and super on top of it. Um, But then I have to wait two weeks. So like we're doing this and I have to go out there in a couple days. So the few days that lead up to it, I'm just anxious. Right. And then you go all this way. And even though it it seems very clear that they want to progress things, there is that worry of like, all right, what if they suddenly decide not to? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And now I got to fucking go back to zero. Like my guy here, he's all for it, but now I got to go and meet with this team. And what if people on the team aren't on board? Yeah. Yeah, You know, and I, I would assume they wouldn't make this happen if that wasn't the case. Um, Right. But you know, it's the worry. It's the anxiety. Yeah. Logic doesn't, yeah equate and also like you know stack up on the other side of it it's like just getting like when i was going to uh the hospital here to get a lot of the initial tests and stuff like i have okay insurance through my job and i'm very thankful that i decided to take a day job last year that is allowing me a lot Uh of room to to do this and and that's awesome because if i was still freelancing this would probably destroy me legitimately like financially but you know i was handed i've I've had two mris and i've not seen like the adjusted insurance price but each one was seven thousand dollars and that's seeing those costs and seeing those things roll in and being like you know just even having to spend more money to like if i'm trying to go somewhere like i normally wouldn't take the bus i'd ride my bike which is free now I'm having to take the bus places or take a lift places. Like those MRI days, I was at the hospital at 6.30 in the morning, you know, like, and I was there for six, seven hours doing stuff, you know, like. Go get a it, Gatorade. That's two bucks at the try, vending machine. Paying yep. for lunch, paying for coffee, just like trying to like feel normal in the midst of it is tough. 
it's very hard and you know even just like changing things where i'm like you know doing like imperfect produce every couple weeks so i'm getting groceries brought to me so i can just like not have to stress that you know just like little things where i'm like i want to retain my independence and not ask everyone in my life for favors but being sick is expensive and it takes up a lot of mental time and like like i said like i've been going to shows still obviously like nothing that's gonna be like really intense crowd movement or any of that type of stuff but i still want my life to have the illusion of being as normal as it can be and that's hard and it's going to continue to be hard until i know when i'm having surgery know when recovery is going to be in it's you know uh everything in my life is is uh kind of transitory at the moment yeah and in the midst of that to like not add on but like uh, my girlfriend's going to be moving into my place to kind of help manage stuff. Hey, I didn't know great. that. Well, the weekend I went into the hospital, her roommates got engaged and she knew this was coming and they were initially like, yeah, well, you know, you can stay here like six months, move out next March. And then as soon as they get engaged, they're like, hey, can you be gone by like November 1st? Meanwhile, I'm in the hospital for 10 right. hours uh-huh. and it's like, f- like I can't physically move. Yeah. That's just not a thing. I can I can't add the mental strain of trying oh, to find no, a place and all that. Not, no. So I had to like talk to one of my roommates who is a person I've known for like 20 years and be like, Hey dude, like this is what's up. You got to go. Uh, and like, uh huh. Very cool about it. Very understanding. Right. But like I've had to have conversations like that, you know, I've had to, and, and I'm not going to really be able to be as helpful during the move as I should be as her partner, you know, like, it's it's just a lot of things where like I've already had a lot to do and obviously that'll be great because she'll be here and, and that'll make my recovery from everything so much easier and having a help like a helping hand there. But also, you know, I don't want to make everyone else's life about me. And that's been hard because yeah. I know people genuinely want to help and I'm so thankful for that. But you start to feel selfish. You start to feel like every conversation you have is about you. You start to feel like you're kind of everyone's uh, concern. And that's flattering, but it also makes you feel like a sick person. And I'm trying to my best to not feel like a sick person. Because yeah. there's going to be a point in time where I'm going to be a much more sick person. And I'm going to need that. But you are a sick person. Yeah. Like, and it's it's so tough knowing that strain and knowing that you are not going to be as capable as you want to be yeah especially when it comes to things where you could really be used here yeah yeah and i think that's the thing is like having to cede a lot of control having to stop things having to give up things things that you know aside from the physical quotient of it just like i've always been a fairly independent person it's like oh this thing's happening okay like i get myself like i know how to do everything and that's just not what it is right now yeah and i've had to acknowledge that and i've had to accept that and i've had to deal with it and you know i've also had to carry like the fact that like all right like as much as i feel confident and especially with going to cleveland clinic like i'm in good hands probably the best hands you could find for something like this you know you you don't have uh 
Arab kings fly there and take out whole floors and they make massive donations to a place if they aren't pretty together. Right. You know, especially for them being so focused on kind of a vascular and cerebrovascular thing, like to be so highly ranked in the country. I feel very lucky about that. Um, I am lucky about that. But it's still a pretty major surgery with... It's fucking scary. You yeah. ha- you know, you're going to have to sign a thing that says mm-hmm. if you die... It's not we, on us. It's not on us. Yeah. And that's the reality of it. Like, that's what everyone has to do. And, and people don't like to talk about that side of stuff. And I get it. It's not fun. A lot of people have had to go through it or watch people they love go through it. So, like, we don't need to get deeply into that. But, like, there is something that goes deeper than the the generic, like, oh, you've got this. It's going to be fine. Like, that's great to hear. And I do believe that. But there there's the stuff that the people don't get to see. And me doing this newsletter is a little bit about demystifying that because... I don't see people talk about that stuff and I'm just kind of writing about it because it's like, this is what's real and this is what's happening. And I have to be mentally prepared for that. That's just the type of person I am where it's like, it would be much harder for me to consider those things in the moment as opposed to being like, okay, well I know that's coming. So if I talk about it and if I look at it, it's not so scary anymore. It's just right. part, it's just one of the steps, you know? Right. Um, and that's kind of what I'm doing over there. So if that's the thing you want to read, you can go to the URL, you can sign up, whatever, and you can follow along. It's been fun because a lot of people reply to those emails and talk about their own experiences or things they've gone through. And it's just, it's nice to be able to like kind of share that with other people, with people I do and don't know. And that's the stuff that I think is really fulfilling about it is it's kind of exhausting, but it's like, Oh yeah, so many people go through this and no one talks about it. Right. It's just it's right. it's the thing you're not supposed to talk about. So uh, I went the opposite and was like, well, fuck it, we're gonna talk about it. Yeah. And that's what we're doing. That's good. Um But with that, it's why I wanted to fucking talk about an Alkaline Trio song because boy, it's nice to talk about something else too. Yeah. It's it really kind of is. how I feel. It really is. And I um <sighs> I, I I know that that you and I both want to get into that. I just in listening to you talk about it and in you know going back to I I I think texting you uh uh one afternoon, I think it was a Tuesday afternoon to say like, "Hey, I'm going to I'm going to post tomorrow because something came up post a new episode and you were like cool uh could you give me a call yeah and it's like okay the last time he told me to call him he told me that david berman died so cool who's next that was not a fun moment either (laughs) um for a lot of reasons and and hearing you know you you say this thing that i I could hear in your voice, you've probably said this to a lot of people today, Mm -hmm. Um, but you hear something like that, you hear something like, 
You know, I'm not getting enough oxygen to my brain. Mm -hmm. And we talked about the migraines when they were happening, your migraines, your ocular migraines. Yeah. And it was, it's one of those things that just a lot that you worry about just stops. Even Mm -hmm. just being connected to you um, as as a friend. And I think, um, you know, I'm, I think it wasn't until really about a month ago that I think I mentally decided to take myself out of post-surgery mode. I, Mm -hmm. I left my job. Yeah. Um, and it was partially because I couldn't do all the work anymore because I wasn't physically ready to, and our apartment mm-hmm. wasn't put together yet because I wasn't able to yeah. for a long time. And then I wasn't helping because I was so depressed. No, totally. And it's, that's the type of shit that you can't prepare for. No. Either, you know? And I think, um, I I had a difficult time with feeling like my new normal was just what it was, which was just feeling very, yeah. uh, feeling like people were tending to me mm-hmm. because I had this crazy thing happen to me and now I can't work anymore and now I'm not helping out um, my partner who works a fucking 40 hour week and is Mm -hmm. also doing more than she should ever have to do. Yep. Um, and yeah, still gotta fucking make my body work the right way. And especially with that, where it was like, you know, tearing straight into your stomach, you kind of, I think people don't often realize how interconnected everything is until you are immobilized by it. Yeah. You know, and it's like, Oh, like that's my core. That is what gives me strength in a lot of ways. That is what allows me to do a lot of different things. And now guess what? I can't do any of that. And I just, it's like, you just want to be normal. Mm-hmm. You Like you want to be able to go to five shows a night yeah. and ride your bike there yeah, and put records in your backpack and ride them home. Yeah. And, and, and just like, you know, this coming on like as this is such a small thing, but like. It's like, oh, the company softball team that I've played on for years, even after I left the company I was at, like, I can't play. Like, I couldn't play. We were in the playoffs. I just had to stand there and watch. And it's just like, man, like, this is just a fun thing I got to do with my friends. Or playing music with my friends, like, playing drums is a little more, you exert a little more. And I realized I couldn't do that. And playing music is a beautiful release that I love to have. And then now it's also thinking about, like, much like I was talking about, building my body back up like i'm gonna have to basically rebuild all those things everything yeah i'm gonna be months and months and months out of practice it's gonna be like relearning how to do a lot of stuff again yeah um i i i really missed you when slaughter beach dog was in town um i i would not have Loved that band mm-hmm. as much as I came to love that band if it wasn't for you. 
Well, I'm glad you love them because they're very good. They're amazing. And that interview you did with Jake was awesome. And I, I, I scrubbed out the part where I cried mm. at, talking about you. And um, yeah, I wouldn't have wanted to hear that. To to be honest with you, I don't think I could handle it. Um, and it's it's great that we're doing this Mm -hmm. and i think that on a on a professional level we maybe could have told more than our patreon uh people sure what was going on uh we have seen your twitter messages and your emails asking what's up what's up um but we did not have a falling out it was not a we didn't break up the band uh yeah i mean i felt like this was this good to do because like the community around this thing there's the patreon group but there's also just like the general people who listen and engage with it who are fucking cool yeah and have a right to know and again i kind of just want to do the thing or, or make an attempt to do the thing so like unlike normal where you know i would go over to tim's place and we would do it in the office like he brought the whole rig to my place and we're we're trying to do the thing at least lightly obviously there's going to be other obligations but we want to keep you all aware and we want to like, I don't know, still like, obviously we were friends in a multitude of ways, but like my diminished capacity and this being a regular thing we did, it becomes the reason you hang out. It's the same way of playing in a band or doing any of that stuff. Like, yeah, it becomes kind of a parallel to the friendship. Right. And it yeah, kind of props definitely. it up a little bit and supports it. And the older you get, the more you need stuff like that. You need your whatever your fantasy football league or whatever the fuck book club yeah like that you just you can't not go to because it's great and it's fun and it's fulfilling and it feels like an extension of why you hang out with people yeah and like yeah there's a little part of me where it was like fuck i just kind of want to do this again even in a less frequent uh less focused way because it's just like i don't know it's another outlet and I think that's the thing is like not really realizing that's what it was or became like right. it became such a nice way for us to have conversations that were often, yes, about this band we love and sometimes dislike, but like it was so free will and the stuff we've covered over the course of this podcast has really ranged pretty far from the initial premise. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah. it's, it's always exciting to have those conversations and see where they lead. Yeah. And I think too, that the, you know, the part that is difficult with what you're going through is the fact that even though it's you and me hanging out, like mm. we got to be on to do this. To, yes. I and mean, that's, that's part of the thing too. how on we ever are. True. But when you're, when you're stuck very inside your head mm-hmm. and you're thinking about how hard it is to think, it feels like doing something like this is just like a huge mountain to climb to even want to like, you just got to put it aside. You can't think about the fact yeah, that like, yeah, yeah. oh, okay, I got to go and I got to put together like 25 coherent minutes mm-hmm. about... A song. Yeah. And also just like as much as, again, I love this whole thing, like when I was kind of steeped in this more like a month and a half ago, two months ago, I was really, really feeling off. Like it was... Sometimes it was just hard to gather thoughts and hard to find things to say. And like I just felt so mentally off that it was just another reminder that I wasn't okay. 
Whereas like now having kind of broken my life down to a place where I'm like, all right, well, if I remove these things, I can at least, even if my vision's always off, which it is at this point, at least like I'm together enough to be able to like understand and think and say something. Right. You know, at least I can communicate still, which for a while was, I wasn't doing as well with. So at the very least, it's like, yeah, if, if we had not taken that break, I think it would have been much harder for me both mentally and, and the quality of the product would have dipped quite dramatically. Well, had I tried he, to play through it, it. It's not easy to walk away from one of these. I, I've had moments where, you know, I haven't felt like I was a hundred percent on sure. while you're doing it. Then you just sit with it. Mm-hmm. That is kind of the worst. Yep. It's not fun. Yeah. Yeah. Like, Oh damn. I, uh, Maybe I'm just dumb. Yeah. And I mean, that's a lot of what I was feeling. You know, for me, it was mostly written where I would notice it, but I would notice it where like, you know, that feeling when you have a word on the tip of your tongue it's the fucking and it worst. just doesn't come like that was happening with words that are not hard for me. Ones I use, but it was mostly in the written stuff of like using the wrong there or the wrong right or the wrong, you know, whatever, just things that I don't mistakes I don't normally make where I'm like, oh, fuck. You know? Yeah. Um, but hopefully for the moment through that. And we're going to talk about an Alkaline Trio song. 40 for minutes. your lungs only. Yes. The ninth song on Self-Titled 2000. Mm-hmm. Which it's the last song on the For Your Lungs Only 7-inch. Yep. But I think that the former is the... The form that we're most familiar with. Most people, yes. And I, we did this when I got out of the hospital. I said, what would you like to, or that was the. Yeah, the conversation, the question to you is, what do you want to talk about? And then the question to you, what do you want to talk about? And you chose this one. Yes. Why? Love the song. So much. So many reasons why I love this song. Um, one of only two Alkaline Trio songs I've ever covered in public. Oh. Uh, I think this song is deeply underrated. And more importantly, one of only literally a handful of Alkaline Trio songs I've never seen them perform live. Because mind you, I did the past live shows. So even though I had seen some of that before that's 95% of the material. Right. They play a lot of uh self-titled material pretty regularly. My friend Peter uh lied my face off. Goodbye for you know like there's there's a lot of songs that are still in the rotation. Even like Snake Oil Tanker and uh, Cooking Wine, you know like this one I've never seen and I came close once once and they cut it from the set oh it was in the set here's what happened okay let's go back yeah let's go back to a different time this time being the release show for agony and irony okay so it was around the time agony and irony came out they're playing the house of blues with american steel uh you like american steel i like two records a lot people really like that band i got friends that 
love that. Band. I think they're awesome. I would never be like, oh, you're missing out. But I think Rogue's March and Jagged Thoughts are pretty cool records. Yeah. And when I want those records, they are great. But I don't put them on all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was cool to see. I'd seen them a couple times. This was around the time they had just opened a Lawrence Arms tour. Like they were, American Steel put out that new record at that time, which was all right. And like, you know, we're doing the thing. They were good live. But I remember uh, going to the Alkaline Trio show and it was like in the summer. So I was like off school and like didn't have to work. So I just like went down early and was like, oh, I'll just like wander around and hang out. And like I walked past House of Blues and there's already a line of people there really early. And this is when they still did the blood pack thing where you could go in for sound check and like they would play some songs and talk with people. And I guess they were at the sound check. This one guy I was talking to, he was like, yeah, they like, were like, what do you guys want to hear? And I said, for your lungs only. And they kind of like fumbled their way through it. Like they didn't know it uh-huh. super spot on, but they like kind of half played it and then played it in full. And it was on their set list. But, and that night, despite it being like one of the first shows in support of agony and irony, like they played a lot of that, but like they played all four songs from the, I lied my face off EP, yeah. which was yeah. crazy. Like I've never, I've seen them do all those songs. I've never seen them do all of them in a night, not in sequence, but just like peppered in, which was like, holy fuck. Like you guys never do that. And like playing some other hits, but right around the end of the set, right before the encore, because for, it was the, I think the encore was going to be like four year longs only radio or four year longs only 97, some shit like that. Like Dan was having trouble with his bass and his tech had to come out and they just cut it. Cause and uh-huh. like someone got the set list and we're like, oh, they didn't play it. And then they played it in Detroit the next night. Motherfucker. And that uh-huh. was the last time they played it. Wow. So that was 11, 12 years ago. If you've, uh, if you've seen them play it, email us. Yes. As you were podcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear about it. I would love to know. Uh, at least that's the last time I know of them playing. Cause I remember someone uploading a video from Detroit and then it kind of fell out of the set list for the rest of the tour. So maybe they've played it since, but, I assume I would have been at one of those shows to see it. And now that there's Setlist FM, it's a pretty easy way to right, yeah, yeah, piece yeah. together your memories. Uh-huh. Um, and it's not... It, it, when they were doing Past Live, I was like, maybe. But they would basically do the two albums and then come out and do a one-song encore. Fair. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then they did... They, they've been doing those shows in Chicago kind of January-ish, like the, the three, four-night things. Yeah, yeah. I didn't go to the most recent one with uh, New Drummer. I went to the last one that Derek played and they, the first night I saw them, they didn't play a song after the year 2005. It was just like golden era shit. And I was uh-huh. like, if it's going to happen, it's going to be tonight. And yeah, it didn't yeah. happen. But, uh, always wanted to hear the song came close, still fucking love it for so many reasons. It's so simple. There's so much space in those riffs that yeah, Matt plays. dude. They're just really, especially because this is the first release Dan's on. Uh-huh. And he's already so locked in with them on this release that it's kind of astounding. His to tone is like so over the top and it's so perfect. He's yeah. like, when he talks about being too busy during mm-hmm. this time, this is, this is, I think, a much better example of him being too busy like yes. not 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 so much god damn it but like here it's just like oh man this guy just played in a ska band yep. it's so abundantly clear he's trying to hit every note on the neck of his bass seriously he's trying to like walk it all the way up and all the way down that 
dumbass guitar tone that Matt has. It's so gross. It's, it's so, so tinny. Yeah. It's just solid state, like, yeah. not even a distortion pedal. Yeah, and it's clear, like, he had no concern for that. Yeah. And the fact that it's not, like, glaringly awful to me is, like, kind of astounding because I'm not, like, a tone nerd. I like plenty of lo-fi stuff. Uh, but I, I think sometimes, and we've talked about this before, I think even sometimes, like, the the weirdness of a recording, like, infirmary kind of just makes that record sound really distinct yeah yeah where yeah. It, like there's not another or like good morning with his voice being so shredded like yeah they have a lot of releases where i'm like this is the only one that sounds this way and for your lungs only is very much that to me yeah totally it like like week week has yes that energy too but like and a much worse guitar tone god damn it it's a bad tone. Yes. But it's not bad like this is bad. No, 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 no. This I is mean, this is soaked in beer in a basement. Yeah, I mean it's like someone knocked a beer over on his head as he was playing. Like yeah. he's using a broken cable that's like not fully there. Um yeah, I mean it's just it's not flattering and he's holding out notes, which is like <laughs> you know, kind of this thing you would want a really solid good guitar sound for but that's kind of what i love so much about the early part of this band is that like it's like we don't care we don't we don't see these as limitations we're just doing it and i think i i every time we talk about a song from this era i talk about glenn but he there's so much symbol work going on that is like incomprehensible uh it's almost like Matt is playing around the drum riff, which is very well, odd. Well, I mean, that would make sense. And I, I think that it's it's interesting when you look at the fact that Dan and Matt are playing the same like descending riff. Yep, yep. Dan's obviously hitting everything he can in, in between, between yeah. and, you know, filling out that space. But it's a really simple thing. The bass just takes over the like descending aspect of it and then matt's just leaving space and dan's just going all over wherever he wants to go yeah and i feel like and and glenn's doing the same thing too where he's knocking those down so we're hitting all those Let's chords on the way down and it would make sense that matt's just playing off of that because he knows he's a drummer mm-hmm. he, he knows mm-hmm. the, like it's kind of like He's playing off of the hits. Yes. And there's a thing I kind of love that Matt does because he's not really playing a lead. He's just kind of hitting these strange little notes and sometimes like a note and kind of like the open chord above it. Yeah. Which I love. Uh-huh. I think it's such an interesting articulation and really informed like my guitar playing. Like I feel like that if like my entire style of guitar playing was built on like this song in 97. Yes. And then like the Texas is the reason stuff. Cause they did a lot of that with open tunings. Yeah. And I've always loved where it's just like, you just have one note and you're just moving it around. And like, there's an open string and you're just playing with the weird dissonance you get from it. Yeah. For real. It's just like, he, you really only see that in the first three releases. Yeah. It's kind of gone by the time of Live My Face Off. That's when he starts bringing in more of the octaves. And yep. you see that on God Damn It, though. There's more of the kind of weird 
uh, spindly little riffs he's trying to put in there. And it's almost entirely gone by Maybe I'll Catch Fire. Yeah, and obviously the octaves are a big part of, of this song because once we get to like the instrumental, it's just in between those descendings, he's going up to a different octave. Mm-hmm. And the the lack of pierce that comes with those octaves in comparison mm-hmm. to like Infirmary where his tone is just built off the fact that this guy loves to play octaves it's such a cool sound that if it wasn't if it wasn't them if i didn't love them if i didn't love this song it would be bad well it's definitely the type of thing where it's like when i hear it in a band that kind of isn't this one it's really hard to recreate you know i i think it's really easy for it to sound kind of half formed or not like a band's fully like pushing together whereas they very much are you know um this is a weird moment in a band where i could see compositionally if i was a member of this band maybe being like oh we were too busy or not really sure of what we were doing or not confident leaving open space because everyone is trying to suck it all up. If like, if Matt leaves a little bit, like if there's two and a half seconds of room between the two notes, both Glenn and Dan are trying to fill it. And you don't really see that as much going forward. Right. Dan's got so much of that, like I'm new in this band energy. I still think that I think this was the first time that I like ever really sat and thought about, the fact that this guy just played in slapstick like yeah no of totally of course he's doing it he comes from like the operation ivy world where it's like yeah you hit as many things as you possibly can you know and, and and a corollary to that he's also doing tuesday around this time which like is a band we're gonna one day dig into deeply on the patreon <laughs> uh one day but they're such an interesting case too because the songs are more mid-tempo but he is still He's trying to be the front person in every respect of right, the band. Right. And I think he's coming into this band trying to be like, I've got something to prove. And I'm going to fucking shred this bass and I'm going to sing backups and just fucking go for it because I'm going to prove to you out of the gate that I am in this band. There are few things that I love more than the vocals on this song. Mm-hmm. It sounds like there's 15 of them. Yeah. Just singing along to pretty much everything yeah except just those verses where it's like it's just matt and he's he's got these lines Mm -hmm. that are so fucking perfect well like the first line out of the gate a right turn gone wrong so cheesy yeah so perfect and what i love is his delivery this is to me where i think matt really like he so quickly starts feeling comfortable and confident as a vocalist yeah like i think you hear a little shakiness obviously on the demo from everyone because it's a demo and that's to be expected to judge it against like a fucking dialed in studio recording is stupid but sundials in 97 you can hear him kind of figuring out and he's like how do i do this you know the him committing to a right turn gone wrong is not the kind of jumbledness of you are like a toilet bowl at the end of the rainbow. Right. You know, um, or even 97. What's interesting is, is that it's, it's not, it's not far from that. It's not far from toilet bowl at the end of the rainbow. It's just refined enough. Yeah. It's a good line. Um, I'm not sure 
I'm not sure if he's reached the point where he knows that one is better than the other, but by the time we get to God damn it, he knows. obviously he fucking knows. He, yeah, he's fully locked in then. But this is like the thing where it's like, this is going to sound really weird because I don't have kids, but it's like when you see your kid like first like go from like crawling around to walking around, like they're still kind of clumsy. They still don't have the full command of it yet, but you're like, oh, like this is a person. Yeah. And that's kind of what I feel like when I listen to this EP of like, these are great songs that, you know, if you're going to look at them through the lens of like, is this the quote unquote correct way to write a song? Most people would tell you no. Um, No. But it's so distinct and it's so identifiable. And it's like just the way this song kind of smashes in and then kind of pulls back that makes you want to go closer. It's like, there's a lot of really strong intentional decisions being made. This is not like messy. They don't know what they're doing. It's like, no, they know it's a little messy and fucked up, but they're just pushing it even harder. I think that my favorite moment on this song, and it's, it's one that I would probably rank in terms of, you just want like a, a five second clip of, of this band to just like put on your, on your mantle, your top five. It's the sun sits out in the sun. Yeah. The, the way that he just has that affect on it. That's just like a little beaten down. There's Mm -hmm. a real sadness to it. And it's not entirely specific, but it's just like, it's like method acting. It's like it's like he's finding a pain in there that just feels so human. Yep. And I, every time, am just so taken by just that little extra bit of identification of like, this has so much sadness in it and mm-hmm. there's so much to latch on to it and... Then when you con- and you put it into context, you put it into like the, this is just the fucking beginning for this guy. Yep, it's beautiful. Well, and I, I'm so glad that's the moment you chose because for me, that is like one of my favorite things he does in this song and emblematic of everything I love that he does. Where it kind of like breathes a little more in the second verse. He gets a little like just more. I don't even know how to describe his vocal delivery of it. It's a higher register. Yeah, he kind of like he kind of kicks it up a notch, but is also like almost aloof. Yeah, and that's what I love. In every great Matt Skiba performance, there's an element of that. I think that yeah, yeah. It's it's like he he doesn't exactly know like what he's saying, mm-hmm. but that's the lyric that's there and it's there for a purpose. Yeah. I mean, to me, I feel like you can draw a direct line from that to material on maybe I'll catch fire to material on good morning. You know, like to me, this really starts the timeline of like great Matt Skiba songwriting and lyricism that you could connect to for me, like a sleepy head, which is a sleeper song that a lot of people don't like. Yeah. Uh, or to a continental. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I see such a through line starting here with him. It's the image. It's mm-hmm. it's the what he sees like, you know, in the uh, the cinematic frame. Yeah. And uh, I don't know. It's one of those songs where it's just like, I don't understand why this isn't one that is 
kind of more of a staple like other material from this era i think i know the the answer to that and it's i think it also factors into one of the reasons that i like it so much is that the 2000 comp is so front heavy Mm -hmm. and the idea of putting it in reverse chronological order i think it kept me from really getting into a lot of these songs because that makes sense when i was 14 15 like you know it sounds a little dirty it sounds a little strange and i don't think i ever really appreciated what this song was until i was maybe 22 like I can when see I that. was playing like in basement bands and then oh fuck like for me I think like the 2000s comp I think that I got to I, maybe I was removed enough from listening to it all the time like I did when I was when I was younger to where I kind of thought you know it maybe cooking wine you can just skip ahead to 97 sure sure and i i think that this one just got kind of lost in there so then going back and finding it and that's when i was like really really appreciating the idea of oh a solid state crate amp covered in beer this is what it sounds like yeah oh my fucking god i also um every time we do these i look up the lyrics i pull them up to reference them when we talk about it Mm mm-hmm I don't know all the lyrics to this song. You can't make them out. Yeah, there's some where you're like, I. And I don't want to. Yeah. I have them up and I'm not looking at them. Yeah, I mean, this is a song that's really impressionistic to me. Yeah. And I think that's kind of what I've always loved about. If you go through and. If someone were to like go through and track every five star song I've given, it's the ones where it's more that. You know, I don't. Until he came out and said it like, I love 97 for that reason. It's like, I don't really know what this is about, but I know you're really upset about it. Yeah. You know? Uh, and you wouldn't. Yeah. Like, I don't think until he was like, it's about weed. I don't think anyone would have made that leap necessarily. And what I see in this, when you talk about impressionistic, this is like, this is a fucking, uh, this is an art school painting by like a 19 year old, but it's the first good one that he did and he doesn't yes. know he doesn't know why because he's been doing the same thing where he's throwing things but he turn, he's he takes a step back and realizes like oh, oh this, shit this one's better this one's fucking better and i there are a few songs that i think have the power that they have just based on a single word mm-hmm. and repercussion. Yeah. Fuck. What Fuck. a choice. Yes. What a choice. Like opening the chorus I, and facilitation of feeling listless. Like what? <laughs> what are these words, my guy? Right. Um, but you know what? It's fucking perfect because it doesn't matter. I just feel it. I feel it when he says it. I feel it when they all scream it together. I feel it when who I've always presumed is Glenn screams no in the yeah. background. <laughs> like, it's just like, 
it doesn't matter it's just good and it's just what i want and like it's what i love about a band like i'm gonna i'm gonna throw out a weird comp here first grown-up cp songs oh yeah when doyle just coughs in the middle of the song yeah and everything else drops out it's like yeah everyone in the world would tell you that's the dumbest fucking thing in the world but it's so endearing yeah and it's so good and it's just like it doesn't matter what you're doing because the energy and just this full like as what it is is there and i see that so much here where it's like yeah i don't know what this song is about i don't know what this title means I think that there's something special too in that it, I, I know the cough that you're referring to and I know why it works and it's because it's not planned. It's not like the woo that someone throws in like right before you go back into the instrumental. Not that that's necessarily a bad thing, but it's practiced. It's it's a thing that people know works. Yeah. Whereas there's stuff here that there is no roadmap for this working. And I think, like you were saying about, like, really growing to appreciate it when you're kind of going through your, like, I'm playing in a basement band experience, that's what they were. Yeah. And that's so easy to lose sight of. And I think when we talk about really any band that gets to a point like that, it's incredibly easy to lose sight of that. You know, that not, they, they didn't start playing 1500 cap rooms. Like, mm-hmm. that was not. Yeah. Their first big show was a fucking disaster. We watched it together on Patreon. Uh, You know, like, they were a mess. They were just a very genuine mess. And that is still cool to me. And obviously, they have so many songs that when they actually really dialed in years later that I think are great and perfect and would totally stand up for. But I think they had it from the jump, basically. I think it was there. Yeah. I... I think that this is a this is a really perfect moment for this band and I think sometimes the the best thing that you can get from a song from really any piece of art it's it's not the like the documentation of of you know a finalized product it's the recording of of a moment and the moment that happened Mm-hmm. And like I remember in Bob Mayer's book, Westerberg saying something to the effect of, you know, he wishes that he'd taken a little bit more time with Unsatisfied, mm-hmm. that he put some more words to it, that it just relied too heavily. No, dude. Yeah. The the energy of what you are specifically unsatisfied about Mm -hmm. you need to say that word as many times as you do in that moment and that's all the power is in there totally and i think i think one thing to kind of build off of that is so much of the power and emotion i feel in that song is not just there but the music itself I think yeah. the opening, beginning, and the, and the way those chords kick in is it's really evocative. And I think the end of this song has a very similar thing when it goes in that instrumental ending where he is throwing in some of those things. Dan's doing his little... Yeah, yeah. Like, it's just kind of like, yeah, this sums it all up. Like, it's Fucking... kind of a chaotic mess, but there's this clarity of thought in the midst of that. And you're trying to find your way through it to the end point, like... It's just really compelling. Like, I, I think it's the type of stuff that people don't usually leave in when they're on record five. 
Yeah. But it's really cool when it's in your first 10 songs. It's why people love it. And I, I think that, that end part is, it's. I think it's really emblematic too of, of this band being a band that's learning how to play songs together because it's just like, okay, and then we do this four times. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, all right. And then the, the first two times we'll get a little messy here. And on the second time that they do it, I love that Matt's kind of doing the the chugs, but mm-hmm. Dan isn't. Yeah. But then the third time he's there. Yeah, it's just like it's such a clear like it would be cool if I did this, and then you and then you yeah. wake up with me here. Like you can almost hear how, as someone who's played in bands, like you can hear all those conversations develop. Like unlike some things where it's like I wonder how certain things got to a point, or like you question the evolution. This is when I can look at it and be like, no, I I know how they did that. Yeah. Yeah, and no, it's either like, it. hey, why don't why don't you? Or oh, I like to, I like the way that you kind of like got into time with me yeah. there at the end. Like, let's let's tighten that up a little bit. Okay, cool. Yeah, and like we're, we that's wrote it. a song today. Yeah, exactly. And that's we're the song. recording it next week. No, totally. And it's just like that's such a cool document that I think you don't get to see, and so rarely turns out well. Like I've done that, I've written that type of song so many times with my friends, and it's never been this good. Yeah. And to me, I think it's just such a beautiful aspiration where like in that moment, you can tell they weren't writing to be playing huge stages at festivals or big rooms or this many records deep or whatever. Like they were there were no career ambitions. There was three dudes like we're buds and we play in a band and that's really about all we got. Yeah, I was I was driving over and listening to it again and again, again, and I had the thought when they do that that last go around the fourth time of the end part uh after the third one i'm like it should just end there they do it one more time yeah you know why well you got to do it four times you can't yep. do it an odd number of times mm-hmm. you don't it's very need it much there you very... don't need it there and there's like there would have been a producer that said don't do that yeah or, or maybe i'm off but i mean i think you're kind of right like as much as i love it it's because it's like that's a little too long. That's yeah. charming. Yeah. You know, like, it's just a little bit of like... They don't know. Yeah, they don't they, know. It's not perfect. Yeah. And it's like a lot of their great songs where it's like, no one would tell them to compos- compositionally do Week Week the way they did. <laughs> or 97. Right. Like, the bridge of 97 is so long. Yeah. And it's just one thing, it's the unsatisfied point. You know, like, it doesn't fucking matter that he's just saying the same thing. 16 times or whatever doesn't matter that matt goes to the same octaves every single time Mm -hmm. you got it four times last two were together cool what do you rate it five out of five for me five out of five with a little asterisk i think i've got two of those this for me it's top three Top five. I'll say top three Alkaline Trio songs, this one. And I think it's just because there's so much uniqueness and there's so much that you just, I just feel. And I don't have all of the, I don't have all the gaps filled in as to why. And even if I did, like, it doesn't doesn't say it directly. No, totally. But there's so much 
emotion and it's a it's a really really special track yeah it's it's one where like this would sound crazy but like if i was making someone a compilation to get them in there get them into this band i'd probably slip this one in aside from like a lot like it'd probably be a lot of more popular kind of perfect songs but i think this one would still be there because i think it's so endearing and i think it's the type of song where i totally understand how people maybe don't hear it or don't feel that way about it that makes sense but for me like as soon as it clicked i've never not loved this song and like i said i've i never was one to cover their songs much because i was such a fan and i felt like it was such an obvious play but like this was a real fun one to play because also nobody knew what the fuck it was yeah uh which was also cool i tried to play it on acoustic guitar for a show um and I just couldn't get, there was too much space. Yeah. And I tried to fill it a little bit and it just wasn't working. Yeah. It's just something where like when you strip it down, especially the guitar part to its root, you're kind of like, how does everything else hang on this? Yeah. Like this is razor thin and yet everything else is built on it. And to me, that's what I love about music is hearing something where it's like, this shouldn't work, but it totally does. It does just does um this has been one of my favorite episodes of this podcast my friend likewise bud we'll hopefully be doing more of them soon hopefully and we will i I will try and do our best to not just leave y'all hanging we know that this is um something that is part of a lot of y'all's weekly routines and trust me i can relate it's been really tough not being Mm -hmm. able to hang out with you as often as often as as we were um i'm really happy to hear that um that we're getting closer to yeah um things being right with you lord willing yeah Uh, i'm just kind of I'm just taking the ride for what it is, you know? Um, The best thing a friend said to me, a friend of mine who um, had a brain tumor a few years ago and like went through a similar thing is he was like listening. He's like, when you're in it, it's going to feel forever and it's going to feel totally consuming. And like a year later, it's just going to feel like a blip. And that's kind of how I'm looking at it. It's like, it sucks to be in the eye of the storm, but you know, it will pass and then I will figure it out. And I'll look back at it in a year or two years and just be like, oh, damn, that was wild. Remember yeah. that? So there was a thing that happened to me and it's uh-huh. it's kind of crazy. Yeah. And you can't, it's one of those things you never really know how to express it until it happens. And you're just like, oh, well, am I equipped to deal with it? Really I makes I have you to think, what does that even mean? Yeah. Um, we invite y'all to subscribe on apple Podcasts, follow us on spotify wherever you get your podcast you can find us and you get an update on new episodes when they come we'll try and we're we'll, we're we're going to make it through the entire catalog for mm-hmm. this band so there's much more to come no matter when and how we get there it's coming. We 
are so thankful for each and every one of you who joins, who subscribes, who hits us up. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's really, really a lovely thing to have um, in both of our lives. And, And we thank you and we will talk to you when we talk to you soon. Soon, baby. Thanks, brother. 